Thank you for downloading this podcast from Pardes, North America. This episode of Pardes from Jerusalem features Rabbi Alex Israel on the holiday Pesach. To learn more about Pardes from Jerusalem, please visit elmod.pardes.org. And now, here is Rabbi Alex Israel. Shalom, I want to wish everybody a Chag Kasher V'Sameach. So excited that here we are approaching Pesach, looking forward to the Seder. And this week we're going to talk about the notion of freedom. What are the hallmarks of freedom? What are the building blocks? How do we construct freedom and how do we express it in our Seder table, in the Haggadah, in the Magid that we do? And that's what I'd like to discuss this week. And we're going to take three dimensions, three areas in which I think we really can identify quite a focus on freedom. And maybe these are three surprising dimensions, but they are very present in the experience of how we uh, celebrate Pesach. And what are those hallmarks? Well, we're going to identify three. The first one is the notion of time, the second one the notion of speech, and the third the notion of family. So let's begin. Number one, time. We have um, four cups of wine in the Seder. The Seder has four cups of wine, sometimes representing four different stages of redemption, the four statements from Exodus chapter 6, However, if you look at the four cups, each one um, is attributed to a particular part of the Seder. Cup number one, Kiddush. Cup number two is the cup for Magid, for telling the story. Cup number three goes along with Birchad Amazon, with grace after meals. And cup number four, is the cup that we say over Hallel. Now, of course, cup number two and four, the notion of telling the story and Hallel praise, bursting into song, these are unique to the night of the Exodus. But what of cup number one and number three? Kiddush we make every Shabbat, every holiday, and also Birchat Amazon, grace after meals. So number three is relatively easy. During the meal, in, in temple times, they actually ate the paschal lamb. We eat the, the matzah and the maror, and we ate the, the, the paschal lamb. So clearly we were, the third cup is, is, is a cup which we raise and drink over those three symbols. So now we're left with one that doesn't seem unique, and that's Kiddush. So I want to relate to that. You know, when the, in, in Exodus chapter 12, when we start the process of the of the actual exodus after the ten plagues, or after nine plagues, we get an interesting mitzvah. The first mitzvah that we're given in the process of exodus is the idea of Rosh Chodesh, the idea that we count the calendar according to our own basis, according to when we proclaim the new moon. And the question is why this is necessary even before we hear about the Paschal Lamb, or we hear about the procedures of Chametz and Matzah in the Exodus. And maybe we might suggest an answer. Why is it that Rosh Chodesh is so critical? When my children were little, 
I used to uh, frequently get dressed up in the middle of the Seder just to sort of like spice things up. One year I slipped out the back door of the house and quickly got into my costume where I was dressed with a white sheet and an Arab headdress and I came knocking at the door and I, the kids answered the door and I said, I'm a runaway slave, I'm a runaway slave. Uh, please, can you give me protection? And they allowed me in and we sat at the table and I said, uh, let me tell you why I'm running away. And I told a story that last year and the year before, it had been my son's birthday. And my son has said to me, Daddy, please come to my party. Please be at my party. All my friends are going to be there. Mummy's going to be there. My sisters and brothers are going to be there. Come to my birthday party. And that two years ago, I hadn't been able to because my master insisted that I, he needed my services. And last year, I also couldn't be there because my master told me that he had a lot of work he needed me to do. And this year, my master, I was planning to go. I promised my son. I said, I'm going to be there for your birthday party. But my master, once again, wouldn't let me go. And therefore, I've run away from slavery. I can't let my son down like this. What was I trying to tell them in this story? That a slave's time is not his own. A slave cannot march to his own drum. The slave is working according to somebody else's culture. And I think this is true on an individual level, but it's also true on a national level. Because to be a nation is to be able to set one's own holy days, one's own rest days, one's days of mourning, one's days of significance. As a child growing up in England, I used to read books about America, and I used to hear about Labor Day, or I used to hear about um, Independence Day, and they were always sort of quite exotic to me. And now, living in Israel, I'm always so happy that we march according to the Jewish calendar, that as we go up to Pesach, the whole country is gearing up for Pesach, and Hanukkah is time off school, everybody has vacation, whether it be in Hanukkah time, or Lagba Omer, when everybody's making bonfires. In other words, the privilege of living in a Jewish country is that I don't sort of look out the corner of my eye around Christmas time and think, oh, they're having all the fun. Actually, it's our own days of celebration, whether it's Pesach or Yom HaShoah or Yom HaTzma'ut, when we as a nation can declare our own priorities we set the calendar. So a first hallmark of freedom is Even before you emerge from Egypt, we are told you are going to determine, you are going to define your own time. To be free means to seize time. And today we find ourselves pressured by time. We find that our cell phones and our electronic devices frequently establish priorities for us, instead of us being able to establish our own priorities in time. And therefore, it, this gives me a lot to think about in terms of time. Time on a national level, the idea that we want to be able to celebrate our own chagim, our own holy days, our own morning days, our own days of significance, but also that we're thankful that we're free, that we can live according to our own time clock, and maybe we have to ask ourselves whether we're free enough. And therefore, the first cup of wine, when we get up and say Kiddush, and we sanctify the day, our first act of freedom, just like the first act of freedom in Exodus chapter 12, 
is to sanctify the day. It was to say, this is a holy day to us. We remember the Exodus and we remember that now we fix our own calendar. That is principle one of our journey of freedom. Let's deal with principle number two. And principle number two is the notion of speech, the notion of words. And here I quote from an article by Rabbi Soloveitchik called Redemption, Prayer and Talmud Torah. And I'll quote a few lines. A mute life is identical with bondage. A speech-endowed life is a free life. The say slave lives in silence. If such a meaningless existence may be called life, he has no message to deliver. In contrast with the slave, the free man bears a message. He has a good deal to tell and is eager to convey his life story. No wonder the Torah has four times emphasized that those, the duty of the father, a liberated slave, to tell his children, born into freedom, the story of his liberation. End of quote. Rabbi Soloveitchik points out that when we read the chapters of the bondage of the Jewish people, when they're in slavery, they don't talk. In fact, the sounds they make, if you look at the end of chapter 2 of Shemot, of Exodus, are almost animalistic sounds. They vayizaku, they, they yelp. Vatal shavatam, we have their cries. It says vayeanchu, they groaned. But these are almost, uh, an animal can also yelp. They're not articulate in any way. When Moses sees, goes out to see the slaves and he sees an Egyptian beating a Jew, it says, ish. he saw there was no man. Why did nobody speak up? Why did nobody utter a word? Nobody is talking. And it is this muteness, which is the, the, the slave simply is so um, locked into his slavery. There's nothing to tell. There's nothing to say. In response to this, we say that the, the secret to freedom, the secret ingredient, is the Higara Tell your children, teach your, teach your children. In fact, there is a Hasidic teaching that the word Pesach is a play on the word Peh, Pehe, Peh, mouth, Sach, like from Sicha. Our mouth speaks, the central part of the Haggadah, Magid, telling the story. Even before we left Egypt, there is the, the, the idea that the Jewish people circumcised themselves as they were leaving. And the notion of Brit Milah, of course that means circumcision, but the word Milah also means the notion of the word. The very ability to tell one's story, to express oneself, this is itself the notion of freedom. And of course, if we start off with the Jews in slavery and they just respond in a sort of animalistic yelp or a groan, then slowly they find their words. And of course, this culminates with the people actually expressing a national desire when they stand at Mount Sinai and God speaks to them and teaches them the Ten Commandments. And they say, they have a ability to use words in order to forge their future. And therefore, um, we actually find in the Haggadah, we don't only tell our story, but infrequently we, we go into passages which talk about Talmud Torah, the notion of the way we doresh, the way we read 
the the the, the passage of Arami Ovidavi, passages which like Yachol Merosh Chodesh, we thought that we could tell the story from the beginning of Nisan. Talmud Lomar Bayomahu. No, we should do it on that day. If on that day, maybe I could do it during the day. So, but what do we say? It's got to be when Matzah and Maror are in front of you. Now, this sounds like a Talmudic sugya. It sounds like a passage from the Talmud. And indeed, what we're really saying is that in addition to telling our children the story of the Exodus, one of the classic ways in which we pass on the core of Jewish identity is through Talmud Torah, is through Vashinantam Levanecha, teaching our children. That is the way, not just one day a year, but every day of the year, we have a mitzvah to teach our children, to talk about the Torah, uh, when you're in your house, when you're on your way. In other words, the corollary of the, 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 the law to teach your children about the Exodus on the night of Pesach is the daily mitzvah of Jewish articulation of Talmud Torah. And this, one might argue, is indeed the key to Jewish survival, because Jews who are educated, Jews who are literate, Jews who have a depth of their tradition, are far more likely to be able to pass the tradition forward, and far more likely, likely to live out their Judaism in meaningful ways. So our second notion is the idea of speech, uh, which we play out by spending the night talking. And now I want to go to the third story. And this is, or the third key ingredient of freedom. And this is the notion of family. What I want to argue is that family is an antidote to slavery. Now let me possibly try and explain this uh, with a story from the Bible. You might remember the story about Noah. Noah. Noah emerges from the ark, um, he brings sacrifices, talks to God, sees the rainbow, but the very last scene of Noah's life, we see that he plants a vineyard and gets drunk. Now one of his sons sees him lolling about naked in the tent, drunk, and he comes out to his brothers and says, hey guys, look at dad. Right? This, by the way, is Cham. And his two other brothers, uh, Shame and Yefet, take a blanket, they walk backwards, they don't want to see their father's nakedness, and they cover him up. And when Noah comes to and he becomes sober and he realizes what happened, interesting what he does, he curses Ham's son. Arur Kanan, Ebed Abadim, Yelechav. Kanan will be a slave of slaves to his brothers. And of course the question is, but Kanan is Ham's son. Ham is the one who mocked his father. What's with Kanaan? And I once heard a brilliant explanation here. And the explanation is this. What's the idea of being a slave? A slave means you can't be there for your children. Remember my story that I told from my Seder about the runaway slave? You can't be there for your children, but you also can't be there for your parents. Uh, Noach says to Cham, you had no regard for me in my state of vulnerability. When you are an old man and you need somebody to push your wheelchair, your son Canaan will not be there for you. You know why? Because he will be a slave. And to be a slave means that he will be pushing somebody else's wheelchair. Cham will be a slave, he'll be serving a family, and he actually won't be able to attend to his own family. To be free means to be there for your family, to be able to live up 
to the responsibilities of family, to be there for your parents, to be there for your children. That if slavery is the abrogation of family, then freedom means the ability right, to be there for your children. And I remember the um, book by Alex Haley, uh, Roots, maybe you saw that, where it talks about the uh, black freedom movement, the civil rights movement in America. And it starts off with the slaves, uh, the black slaves being uh, ripped from their homes in Africa and brought on slave ships to the United States. But each generation who were born, each uh, generation, when they have a baby, they take their baby and they hold them up to the moon and they tell them their history. They tell them what their, what their name is, their African name. And they look at their child with a sense of hope that their child will live a better life than they have done. They tell them their story, where we've come and where we hope we are going to. In other words, the notion of telling your child who you are and where you're going to, that is the key of redemption to freedom. Now this is really significant in the book of Shemot, in the process of our freedom, because if you remember at the birth of um, Moshe, it, the story there begins with, A man went out from the house of Levi and took the daughter of Levi. The emphasis of the word house. Even the earlier story with the midwives, we also have that the midwives save the Jewish children. And what does God do for them? It's not clear what this means, but batim. He made them homes. And of course, family is the key here. Do you remember Moses is vulnerable in the river? And his sister watches out for him. The notion of family. And when we get to chapter 12, which describes the eating of the Paschal lamb, the Korban Pesach, if you remember, it talks about the, the idea. Um, I'm just finding the right place. Here it is. Um, the idea is each person, it's not each person takes a lamb. Sela betavot. A lamb for each ancestral home, selabayit, a lamb for the house. And the idea is you put the blood on the doorpost of the house, and the house itself will be protected, and you're not allowed to leave the homes, the house. The simple unit of the home, the family home, becomes the key building block the linchpin, the point of resilience, the key to continuity, the key to identity, because those family units create an intergenerationality. They create an ability to pass on your story, to give our children a sense of identity, to have earlier generations realize that they will have continuity, to give people a sense of where they have come from, and where they are going. And one might argue that as long as we have this element, then we might be in slavery for a while, but eventually we will be free. So, what are the three elements? Number one, the notion of time. Number two, the notion of speech, the ability to articulate and to tell one's story. And number three, the notion of family. Remember, a slave would frequently have his children ripped from him and, and and or her and sent away to another slave master. You could never be sure 
whether your children would even be connected to you. And of course, what we do at the Seder is we take all of these three elements. We get up and say Kiddush and we sanctify time. And we say our time is our own time. In fact, the way that we eat the, the, our, our food and we drink our wine is leaning. Kepenei Chorin, like free people, not like they did in Egypt when they had to rush. Bechipazon. Matzah might be fast food, and yet we eat it in a leisurely eating. And then, of course, we have the notion of family as we sit hopefully, please God, post-COVID, intergenerationally, and we use our whole evening together, telling our children and our grandchildren, with our parents, with our grandparents, we sanctify time and we use speech as a medium in order to express our freedom. So these three key elements are so present in the Exodus story, they're so present as being key factors, linchpins, springboards, um, catalysts for the true kernel of what it means to be a free individual. And as we think about what our future, maybe we need to think indeed about all these areas. How do we use time wisely? How do we use our speech in order to raise our lives, in order to achieve, in order to motivate, in order to elevate? And number three, how can we strengthen our families in a Jewish sense so that they too will be bearers and they will continue to pass the tradition forward in a rich, loving, meaningful way so that the Jewish people will not just come out of Egypt, but will walk its way to its magnificent future. Chag Sameach, Chag Kasher Sameach, and I hope everybody has a wonderful, wonderful Seder and a wonderful Pesach. Thank you for listening. Thank you again for downloading this podcast, a production of Pardes North America. If you liked what you just heard, please give us a five-star review wherever you download your podcasts. Be sure to follow us on Spotify for the latest episode of Pardes from Jerusalem. Tune in next week as Rabbi Michael Hatton discusses Parashat Achare Mot. Thanks for listening.